Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Toolin. I'm the only one in the studio right now. We got some major traffic on 76, so we'll be getting started here shortly with Stacy and Sarah. And again, we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018 number 11 in the country, and we're streaming live every single week on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So what we've got in the news this week, and the biggest, this is this is great news. I'm, I'm just so excited to see this happening, is if you follow Logan Motoshami at Housing Wire, one of the authorities on what's happening in the marketplace, this is the first week that we've seen nationally that housing inventory has risen significantly. We're seeing 8,546 new homes that came to the market. And with those 8,500-plus homes, that was, according to um, Alto's research, the data from two weeks ago, the first thing that popped into our minds is that the Easter holiday probably had an impact on inventory, which I know we talked about on the show here. So seeing this pop in inventory to me is a super, super critical thing for any home buyer or seller that's out there. Because if you're not seeing more new homes come to the market, and just last week we were excited about 800 plus homes coming to the market. The week before we saw a decline of over 5,000 homes in the entire country. The, the, the more homes that come to the market, the better off the sellers are going to be and the better off the buyers are going to be because these sellers do have to move somewhere and they do have to find a place to go. So this is groundbreaking news. Let's hope it continues. And if you look at the change just week over week and seeing the inventory rise the same week last year, we saw about a 6,000 unit increase in inventory. So it looks like we're going in the right direction with inventory. At least that's my hope. And one of my amazing co-hosts, Sarah Timon, just got here. So Hello. we're talking about inventory. We're talking about the pop in inventory here. And as you're getting settled in, what I want you to think about, and let me know when you're ready to jump in, is, is this something that we need to sound the alarm bells with, tell consumers, both buyers and sellers, is this something that you're feeling in the day to day, I know you had a very busy weekend on uh, a listing that you sold with multiple offers, and also writing two or three other offers. Are you feeling the inventory bump at all, knowing what we've gone through so far in 2023? To be honest, I mean, maybe slightly. I think that some of it also was like the right homes came up for the right buyers at the right time. So, is that because there were more that came out? Maybe, um, but particularly for the offers that I wrote on the buy end this weekend. These are people who I've been showing homes to, um, mm-hmm. and they were, you know, they were they were ready. Um, I know for for one of the offers that I wrote, it's someone who last week we had looked at something, and I as soon as I got out of the showing, I called the listing agent to ask a question, and she was like, "It's already under contract." So I think that that um, feeling of pressure for like mm-hmm. if you like it, like write it <laughs> um, yep. was uh, was a little bit more prevalent. Um, and yeah, I mean, on the, on the listing side for the property that I had this weekend, there was a lot of activity on that. Mm-hmm. So, and I know you've got a couple different clients negotiating on stuff right now. I think one of the properties was kind of sitting on the market a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. so 
the, the fact that we're seeing this bump in inventory is certainly encouraging. I think that's that's the best news that we're going to we're going to see in, in a while. Um, how, how are how are you communicating this to your clients? Like, yeah, it's got to be the right home, obviously. And I think with, with sellers and with buyers, it's a little different. Um, is this something that you're constantly letting them know? Are you looking at the local data? What, what's your strategy been? Because this has been the constant talking point. Uh, throughout the 2023 market, even in 2022, there's just the, the people aren't seeing the the amount of homes they'd want to see. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely stressing the the stats for what is going on in the market, um, and then when somebody finds something that they like, really trying to help coach them to, you know, what would make the strongest offer within terms that they're comfortable with. Um, you know, and it's it's interesting because as you run, if you're if you're looking on the for on behalf of your buyers and you've mm-hmm. shown them something. You run the comps. You look at, you know, where where things have come in at. You, you know, you do a lot of a lot of research. But what's interesting for buyers is you can kind of anticipate where a majority of the people are going to fall in, mm-hmm. right? But then there's always going to be those buyers who have, you know, maybe this is their fourth offer. Maybe they really like the house. The first offer, I feel like they want to uh you know, fully protect themselves, make sure everything is like hedged on their side. The second one, maybe they're, they're willing to, you know, loosen some of those a little bit, but they only would want to get the property by exactly the amount that it would take to get it. And maybe that's kind of the case on the third one. And then sometimes by the fourth, they want to secure the property. Mm -hmm. It's not so much like they don't care if they paid over what someone else would have paid for it. Right. So as you're trying to structure your offers, you have to be aware of that, (laughs) you know, like, Hey, this is where, this is what's going on. This is where I think most offers are going to come in at, but you have to be, um, you have to know that there's always a chance that somebody's going to come in with that way over, Mm -hmm. way over offer. Cause they're like, I'm sick of doing this. I need to get this property. Yeah. Well, and, and there is a, a stage, I can't say what I call it in our trainings on, on, on the radio here, but there, there's the screw it phase that buyers get into because and, and, and you bring up a good point. It's, you, you can walk people through like, hey, there, here's 14 different ways we can make our offer look good. And, we, and we've got this all codified and, and documented at our team. It doesn't mean they're going to listen the first time. And, right. you know, in, in a lot of cases, there's influences from other people, whether it's like a parent or a family member or just the last time they bought a home. And it's not like that anymore. So to me, this my hope is we've seen the bottom of inventory. I think that this is exciting, exciting news. Now, to give you some perspective in the past seven days, we saw just about 600 new homes come to the market in the greater Philadelphia area. That's the Chester, Montgomery, Delaware counties, as well as the city of Philadelphia. That's been about what we've been seeing a week has been that like six to 700 homes. So it's been more methodical here. And my, my hope is we're going to see a, a, a larger pop. But the coming soon listings right now, there's 203 of those. And usually they're about 100. So I think that's a good indicator that you know, the coming soon listings are what I'm really curious about. There's also 61 that went back to active. So, I mean, you're really looking at 660 new opportunities and 183 of these homes had price decreases. So mm-hmm. there's all this local data that you've got to be really cognizant about. And th- the the advice I would have for anyone that's thinking about buying is you, you can't be like on the sidelines. Like right. just, it, even if you're not seeing homes you like, you've got to be in the arena actively looking. And I know you've had some people come back to the market is it almost like another learning curve because they've gotten so fed up? What's that been like for your clients that you're, you're, you're helping now, Sarah? Yeah, I mean, I think it's about both meeting them where they're at, empathizing with, 
you know, what has what has happened to kind of get them to this point and maybe what caused them to take that break um, if and when they they did. And then just really giving them the right information and also knowing that, like, you know, they're not always going to be willing to do what needs to get done to get to get that particular home, Mm -hmm. but kind of getting them through the process and kind of, you know, again, not everybody's going to get the first house they put an offer in on. So getting the experience of doing it and then learning from what's great when you actually can just get the feedback. It's it's great when it's in Mm -hmm. writing uh, from like the listing agent saying like, hey, this is where the offer fell short. And then it's coming from them. It's not coming from you. Because, you Mm -hmm. know, I think that sometimes it's like, well, I mean, you're saying I have to do all these things like that's nobody's doing all those things. Mm -hmm. And then you know, sometimes they are. <laughs> well, until they lose, right? And I think right. it's it's hard to believe that things are going to get that extreme. And I think even agents have a hard time with this. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know if I need to do all this stuff until you lose one. And mm-hmm. it's you know, really the, the question I'd be asking is how badly do you want this property? Because it's still going to be competitive. So Right. I mean, the the listing that I had this weekend for both of the, the top two competitive offers. And how many offers did you get? Just to give people some perspective. And let's talk about the price point and where it was located to. This was in Downingtown. We were listed at six ninety five. Um, we for actual offers that we ended up reviewing, there were five. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were quite a few agents who called in the night of the offer deadline, just saying like, you know, hey, is this even gonna? Are my clients even gonna be like in the game with this offer? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I always encourage like, go ahead, like I will present anything, but like, no, you're not in the top couple with this. So I think it would have been more but um and obviously i'm never gonna give uh excessive amounts of information about what the offers look like Mm -hmm. but um you know if somebody thinks that they're like hey like we're willing to do this and they're not even in the you know in the arena um you know kind of just letting them like we've got we've got stronger things there so of of the offers then as we were reviewing them there were two that really stuck out and both of those agents were very communicative with me, mm-hmm. which was, I appreciate. Um, and both of them had said, this is, this is the fourth house. This is the fifth house that they've lost. Like and that's why those were the top two offers yeah. guaranteed. So they, yeah. And so they were like, they want it. Like, <laughs> let's well, go. You don't want to go through that heartbreak over and over again. Right. And I mean, I, you know, I know you went through this even when you, when you were looking for your own home, um, you know, my strategy personally, and, and this was a couple years ago was that, look, I'm, I, I'm not, I've seen this happen too many times before. If I really want this house, or more importantly, if my wife really wants this house, (laughs) we're just going to go and do the deal because you never regret it after. I've never seen people really regret going for it. They usually regret when they don't. Right. Has that been your your experience as well? Yeah, right. Because, I mean, if you either if you really go for it with, like, everything you've got, like, this is – and then you still don't get it. I mean, that's disappointing, but at least you know that you gave it your all. I feel like the worst – like, people take it better if they're like, well, I lost by – you know, a substantial mm-hmm. uh, price difference or they they waived everything and I didn't waive anything or whatever. The worst is when you find out it was you lost it by a hair, you yeah. know, and if you would have had a little bit more that you could have done there. And mm-hmm. then it's also funny because I feel like once sometimes once you like lose a house or don't get a house, even if it's very similar to like other ones that you look at. It just like mm-hmm. sticks with you as like the one that got away and like you compare everything to it, you know? Yeah. And and, and we're going to get into some strategies, especially given some of the weirdness in the market right now and, and a great article that Fortune put together here. And we also got some breaking agent news we're going to break in the, and we're going to talk about in the second segment. Before we get there, there's also been 
and and I love your opinions on this show, Sarah, because I'm like this big real estate nerd, and I just look at this stuff all the time. I'm constantly reading it, and you're not, and that's and you're still a great agent. So don't get me wrong. I mean, it's just we're different personality. I would be shocked if you were like that. By the way, <laughs> knowing you for as long as I have, so there's these. If you look at like any of these like like news websites, like name them all: Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, that people are outraged about the administrative uh, changes to mortgages from FHA uh, or excuse me from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and they're and they're saying it's the Biden administration. I would argue Biden has no idea what's going on with these changes, right. especially since. Um, they were agreed to in January, which everybody forgets about, right? They're just mm-hmm. taking effect May 1st. But there's headlines here that say um, real estate expert shreds Biden rule punishing home buyers with credit. I mean, with good credit, it's madness. And this was across the board. Every news agency reported this. So what I want to share is what actually is going on. I want to get your take on this. So um, and this happened back in, on January 19th. This was on uh, Mortgage News Daily. Very normal website. They report things properly. Miss Tardy herself, Stacey Mitchell's here. So welcome. Uh, yeah, um, I was late too. Yeah, it's okay. I, I can I can handle the show. So it was not not a, not a big deal. So in this in this single movement that they made, and Nick, I'm going to ask you to put the chart up here for this. I'm going to drop this in the Slack channel if we can put it on the uh, the YouTube broadcast that we drop. Um, that. In a nutshell, what has happened here is the LLPAs, that's the loan level price adjustments imposed by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, um, they are based on loan features such as like your credit score and loan to value ratios and if they're going to occupy the home and your debt to income. And what's happened is that they're changing the fees. So if your credit score is under 680, the penalty for having a, a uh, your your credit score below 680 is a little lower than what it used to be, but it still costs more to have a lower score. So it's not like it's costing the people with great credit scores less, it, or, or or more, excuse me. Um, it's it's just costing a little less than what it used to for people with credit scores that are sub 680. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then what ended up happening is they also raised the fees a little bit on people with higher credit scores. So it looks like the fees just changed. For this, and if you look at this chart, it's pretty fascinating because um, there's some that have higher, there's some that have lower uh, LLPAs. I don't think it's a very big deal. I think the fees just changed, and this happened years ago when FHA raised their fees. Have you had this come up at all? Like, are, are consumers talking to you about this? Because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. You still get better fees if your credit score is higher. I want to be super clear about this. They just changed them and made some adjustments on what the penalty would look like. I, I personally have not had this come up from from my clients yet. Although maybe, I mean, it's going to take effect um, a little bit down the line. So maybe once well, it in actually. In like seven days. Yeah. So once it, I mean, maybe once it does, they would. But I don't, I haven't. Have you had that come up, Stacey? I have not had anybody ask me about it. Um, I've had some people outside of the real estate circle talk about it. Um, I did not have enough information to to have an opinion about it at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I'm glad we're talking about it today. But honestly, do you think the consumer's really going to know and see the difference of the fees? I mean, are they going to know that? Th- this is such a nonsense, like clickbait. And all these yeah. news agencies, I mean, you know, if, if we were to put out false information like that, mm-hmm. people would just be like, hey, guess what, guys? You're fired. I'm getting mm-hmm. a new agent. Like, you're, you're done. So, I, I, you know, this is just another example of, of this nonsense that gets put out there. And 
look, the fees are going to be the fees, right? Oh. And I, I think it's it, that's why I would the advice I have for everyone. Shop around with lenders uh-huh. and see who's giving you the best fee, who can close on time, and wh- who's going to give you the best rate. Because this fee, if this is the, the, the same across the board, well, what about the other fees other lenders charge, right? right. We've uh-huh. got lenders like Tomo and Mortgage America that will be really competitive on those things uh-huh. versus like a Wells Fargo or a Chase where they're like, hey, here's our fees. Good luck, guys. Right. This is all the more reason to get a lender you can trust to understand what the fees are going to be. Because- when the government applies fees, the, the fees are the fees. Do you want to buy a house? Here's your fee. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about here. It's just more nonsense that's out there. And there's so many different loan programs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you might be totally outside the box of this. You know, you right. might fit into something completely different. So, yeah. and, and that's what I agree with what Tom says. You have to shop around. Right. And ask what those fees are. Right. And, I mean, I think also... When when choosing a lender, like having somebody that can get creative, I mean, still obviously all within like the guidelines of where they need to be, but not just like a straight up like, no, you don't like, nope, you wouldn't qualify for that. You've got to do this like because they can like figure out, you know, well, if we pay this off, if we move this to this, if you put this much more down or if you do like there's things that you can do that can make you eligible for different loan types, which mm-hmm you know, sometimes might not matter, but like sometimes it does. There's a lot of condos and like places with HOAs that like don't allow FHA Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, being able to like, you know, you see something you like, you want to go ahead and put the offer in. And what's frustrating is a lot of times like, you know, on the MLS, it'll say that they accept FHA as an acceptable financing. And then it turns out like, no, that's not, that's not permitted. Um, So having somebody that can figure all that out, you know, what a weekend, like last minute, like that is, that is so important. Having a, a lender that you can contact, not just nine to five. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, you know, there are fees to certain other types of loans too, like the VA mm-hmm. le- loans. There's funding fees that are applied to that. Yes, there's zero down payment and people often confuse that. Oh, I don't need any money to buy a house at all. Right. No, you still are responsible for your closing costs. Right. So that's a big misconception out there too. Mm-hmm. But there's also a funding fee. Yes, it's rolled into the loan for the most part, but it's it's quite large. Right. And then there's other fees that could be on top of that. Mm-hmm. So again, some lenders do not charge those additional fees, but the funding fee is always there. Um, and some lenders have the funding fee in addition to a lot of extra fees. So definitely do your homework, shop around, um, and ask questions. Love that. So... Another non-story story here. Last thing I want to go over, um, and actually, why don't we do this? Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. I want to talk about the weirdness in the housing market and a breaking Philadelphia real estate lawsuit. Uh, you guys don't even know about this yet. I got notified on the way over here. We're going to talk about that next on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. For the best local mortgage service and great rates on your money, look no further than Mortgage America. We've been operating in the greater Philadelphia area for 40 years with a focus on smooth, easy access to home purchasing. Whether you're a first-time buyer, upsizing or downsizing, or just refinancing, we have programs for you. We also have closing cost assistance programs and access to subsidized interest rates. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. To learn more, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com. 
www.thebrewhouse.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an equal housing lender. NMLS 128501. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. She's Sarah Timon, and we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018, number 11 in the country, and we're streaming live every week on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So we got two things we want to cover here, and then we have uh, Chris Hunsaker coming in, the owner of the Fishtown Pharmacy, great local business. We're going to talk about them. He is on his way now. Uh, but first, there's two things I want to hit on. One, some weirdness in the real estate market, and secondly, a breaking lawsuit about two, I would, I would say, warring real estate companies that we're going to unpack here uh, in the next segment. So, so first, the weirdness in the real estate market. Um, there was uh, an, uh, an article that Fortune.com put out there, and, and this, I find this fascinating, that at the beginning of the year, 24 of the 29 major housing forecast models predicted a home price decline in 2023. How'd that work out for everybody? You see the faces that we're getting here. It's the WTF are they talking about face? So obviously that hasn't come to fruition. And what fortune.com uh, did is that they, they took all these different states like New York, Florida. You could do the same thing here in Pennsylvania and showed that in some markets, literally, they're seeing declines adjacent to markets that are increasing in pricing. So just take, for example, Philadelphia next to Lower Marion Township. It's like the tale of two markets in there. Um, and you're seeing this happen all across the country, you know, places like Scranton that's booming and then San Jose that's having a home price correction, right? You wouldn't necessarily foresee Scranton to be the booming real estate market and San Jose, California to be the one that's struggling. So my, my, my question is, are you guys seeing this this almost bizarro world of real estate where adjacent towns are acting totally differently in how they're performing in the market or are some softer than others. I mean, I, th I think there's a little bit of that going on more so here because we're not like a COVID hotspot or a tech hub. What, what's your take on this? I would not say that I've noticed like that happening. Like, okay. you know, one area that's just like booming and then another that's, I mean, with the exception of like, we know, we know that the Philadelphia market is different than the surrounding um, suburbs, but, um, in general, I mean, I haven't, I haven't noticed that. Have you Stacy? I have not. No. And, and like you said, it is the Philadelphia market is different, Yeah. but when you branch outside of the Philadelphia market, um, I don't see that much happens. difference in the counties, right? Delco, 
you know, Monco, Chesco, right. even Bucks County. I, yeah. No, it's still, I mean, okay, maybe there might be, I guess it depends on the school district. There might be a little bit softer, but if you mean softer, may, maybe instead of six offers on a home, maybe there's three. Right. But we're still seeing a pretty aggressive buyer's market out there, meaning over asking price, waiting inspections and things like that. Yeah. Right. And I mean, like each area certainly is its own for like how much appreciation, how much prices have gone up, you know, as is always the case. But I haven't noticed like, yeah, like, oh, here we're going like this way and here we're going that way. Like it's all Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let me share some of the data here with you. So, and these are from different states, and we can just give a, give a couple examples. So, there's 1,559 zip codes in New York tracked by Zillow in the state of New York. 48.4 percent of them saw a home price increase between December 22 and March 23, and 51.6 saw a home price decrease. So, I mean, you know, that's you know, now during the same three month window last year, 99 percent of New York zip codes saw a home home price growth. Um, if you go to Tennessee, um, 83.1% saw an increase between December and March, and 16.9% saw a decrease. In California, only 6.7% saw a price increase, and 93.3% saw a decrease in that same three-month window. Ohio, 76.6% increase, 23.4% of the zips decreased. Florida, 33.7% saw a home price increase, 66.3% saw a decrease, and in Texas, it was split 62.9% to 37.1%. So what this tells me is that agents need to prepare better for their appointments. I I think this is a clear takeaway that if you're showing homes, this is data that's all over the country. Normally, the market doesn't react like this, where it's like so hit or miss. Is you have this, a question. Yeah. Is this list to close price that they're measuring? No, this or is the, is the this average, the average the sale average price. Sale, okay. Gotcha. And, and Zillow tracks all this. So I think we're very fortunate in our market, but Philadelphia is definitely like that relative to what we're seeing in the, and it's really the zip codes, right? Like 19103 zip, that's doing fine. Uh, but you get to some of the adjacent zip codes, maybe you get into, you know, North Philadelphia, West Philadelphia, those places. And I would argue that we see the market softening in other markets, too. Like when you go further west, right, you go towards Lancaster. That market's a little softer than if you're in the heart of Chester County, right? Um, same thing when you're going into, like, western Montgomery County. Like, And you see buyers going out there because they can actually get properties in some cases. I mean, I see you nodding your head, so you're seeing this sort of trend? Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of Reading area, I think there's more opportunity. Mm-hmm. And definitely into Lancaster County area. Yeah, there's more opportunity. doesn't mean... Um, no competition. Right. It just means I think there's more opportunity. And if you're coming from this, from already an aggressive market here and you go there and you're, you know, you're used to that type of competition. Yeah. It feels a little different. Yeah. You're going to get your house (laughs) probably. Um, Plus Lancaster is also a beautiful place and a, a great place to, to be. I'm from there. <laughs> uh, yeah, here comes Sarah's Lancaster propaganda to get everyone to move out there. So, um, all right. So, so we're, we're kind of seeing a little bit of that. So what I would advise that agents need to be thinking about is that if, if you're not prepping for your appointments properly, you, you could be misinformed. And I think this is because it, the market's never black and white. This is very weird, though. You don't normally see this. Usually nationally you see prices going up or you see them going down or maybe even state by state or market by market to some areas. And there are some things that, you know, if there's like a, a large business that's moving out of the area, that can have an effect on the yeah. housing market, that, 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 that sort of stuff. 
I think um, it shows too that people are looking for different opportunities. You know, I I, I mean, it, it doesn't. It makes sense to me for California. There's been a lot of people leaving the state, so it's probably not the, not the big influx of people mm-hmm. because driving of taxes, the prices. right? Yeah, the taxes. Of course, it's it's really unaffordable. So folks are looking for better opportunity, different choices, and. Maybe Ohio, they can find what exactly what they're looking for. I mean, Tennessee has been a boom because people are relocating. The taxes are very friendly in Tennessee, same as in Florida. Although there's been such an influx in Florida, maybe that's why the pricing is, is well, getting a little bit That's different. what I was going to say, because Florida is very tax-friendly, and mm-hmm. there's been a major migration down there. But now you're seeing pr- it's about a third and two-thirds. And mm-hmm. obviously, Florida is very diverse. I mean, mm-hmm. you go to the coastal towns and cities versus somewhere inland, it's it's a little different, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it it's very fascinating to me. So what, what kind of prep work do you two do before your appointments, whether it's a listing side or a buyer side? What kind of data are you looking to know walking in the door? Because this is what people need to know. Like you can't, unless you're only working in one town, which I know agents that focus on very micro areas, I think that's tough to do right now given the inventory challenges. So let's assume you're not doing that. You're working in a couple different areas. What kind of prep work are you doing to make sure you're in the know so people can understand what exactly is going on in that market that they're looking in, knowing you're going from maybe market to market, even though it could only be 15, 20 minutes away? Yeah. I mean, I'd say for the list side, not only are you looking at at comps and trying to get them as tight as you can, but diving in a little bit deeper. How many days on market was it? Did it sell over ask? Did it sell under ask? Um, and, you know, proximity to, you know, to the home that you're looking at. And you always want to make sure a school district is matching. And, um, you know, you're looking at, and I mean, this is like, obviously, like, this is something you would factor in, but you're not just looking at the details of the home. You're looking at the size of the lot. Like, you're factoring in all of these different, these different features. So really just making sure that you know the numbers and, you know, because ultimately it's going to be, you can advise the seller on Mm -hmm what to do and how different scenarios could play out, but making sure that they're aware, you know, if, you know, if there's a, a price that they were thinking, I guess kind of getting to the bottom of why, like, why are you thinking that price, you know, and then showing them the supporting information um, as to, to where things are going at. And like, are you looking to, are you looking for something quick? Are you looking for, you know, just kind of walking them through how it plays out when you price at different points. Mm-hmm. And also, what is their competition? What's mm-hmm. currently on oh, the yeah. market yeah. in their area? Yeah. yeah. So what are you up against? What are you competing against? Um, what's pending? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know where it's going to close, but what's pending and how mm-hmm. many days on market? I think the days on market is key. Mm-hmm. And, and it, did they do price drops? Mm-hmm. So that's really important. Um, for buyers, pretty much the same thing. There's comps. But again, uh, and, and know who you're talking to. Are mm-hmm. you talking to an investor mm-hmm. who has a different mindset? Mm-hmm. It's completely different what they're going against. Um, if, if they're if you're buying if you're a home buyer and you're going to live there, you're willing to do what it takes to get the home. Yeah, investors still think they're competing with the seller. They're mm-hmm. not. They're competing against other buyers who are going to live in the home. Mm-hmm. So again, you have to know who you're talking to and and what their motivation is and how you know willing they are to to throw it out there for a particular home. Right. You know, and, and, you know, sometimes a decent amount of time can go by from when you have that initial appointment and kind of talk prices or even when they sign the listing contract with the price you have in there until they actually go to market. So in that case, you need to 
reevaluate everything and then definitely look, especially as you're approaching that like coming soon uh, time frame, what else is coming soon, Mm -hmm. you know, so that you can, that's important. (laughs) That has happened a few times Mm -hmm. where by the time the listing is going on the market, we're reevaluating and doing Mm -hmm. a change to agreement just to, to increase the price point. Yeah. Which turned out to be, you know, a great move. Mm Mm-hmm. So you, the way this market is uh, and how it fluctuates, you really do have to be on top of it yeah. all the time and yeah. know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, well said. And I think that's, that's going to eliminate the weirdness because we're in this correction right now and there's just not inventory in some areas. Others have it. So, and and tax, people are really mindful of like taxes and what like money they're paying the government right now because mm-hmm. with the, when the economy turns, it's how do I adjust my costs? And, and, you know, you look at places like Florida or Texas, right? I mean, it's just way more beneficial to live there than California as an example. So very, very insightful. So I, I, I agree that's the way you want to prep. So the second thing we're going to talk about here, then we're going to take a, another break, and uh, Chris should be here shortly. Um, so there, there's, a, there's a lawsuit that just dropped here. This is very fascinating. I, and I, uh, it, it's, uh, this came out at 12 o'clock today, um, or excuse me, 12 o'clock yesterday. I just found out about it today, so that's my bad. Um, it's the nationwide expansion of Surhant, the Ryan Surhant brokerage. Um, they have a lawsuit and they're currently being sued for $10 million um, by Keller Williams Black Label and the condo shop. Uh, and they're alleging that they had plundered the client's intellectual property, confidential information, and personnel while crippling its ability to operate. So what do you think about this? This is this is quite the lawsuit here. I mean, I've seen these things happen before, like when Coldwell Banker went after Compass, and, and, and they, again, intellectual property, um, violating agreements. Th- this is pretty close to home here. Yeah, it's very interesting. I'm, I'm trying to read up on this quickly, and it seems that they were d- utilizing marketing material that was exclusive to mm-hmm. the KW Black Label proprietary, and they were misrepresenting it as theirs when it wasn't. It wasn't theirs to use. So, um, it, yeah, this could be very interesting because, I mean, obviously you should not do that. And it also states that they uh, sabotage the KW Black Label social media accounts and claim that the, the accounts were actually hacked. Yeah. So, uh, well, and then it looked, and I was like, yeah, I was, I was reading this quickly before we started the segment. If it is true that they took the info and then wiped it from, is that what it was saying? That they like, well, let's know. read the article. I mean, this is all, this is coming from Real Trends. So, yeah. this is, uh, th- so, um, it looks like there was um, uh, a, a team that uh, which focuses on luxury real estate had been at KW Black Label prior to partnering with Sirhan, which is all fine. And the complaint, claims that when the expansion and partnership were announced, several of the KW Black Label agents resigned and other put, others put forth funding to support the new team at Surhan. Um, in addition, they claimed that once the operation was up and running, brokers who had been formerly with Black Label took down listings and relisted them at a new firm. That's illegal if they have a contract, by the way. Yeah. Like the contract's with the brokerage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could that could certainly be an issue there. Um, it's not, you know, it's not the agent's contract to take. It's always with the brokerage. Mm-hmm. The complaint also alleges that the uh, plaintiffs stole client contact information from KW Black Label's databases and then wiped the databases clean. So I guess now our database doesn't allow you to delete people. Mm-hmm. So 
Great feature by Boomtown. Wow. Smart move. You can't you can't delete anybody, so right? You can you can delete people in Keller Williams. I don't know. I, who database. knows? What, well, who knows what database they were using? <laughs> we don't. We shore don't know. that thing up. <laughs> yeah, that's not. It. But uh, um, and then it also uh, claims that the former marketing director um, and the former marketing coordinator um, they were recruited. So they recruited employees to come over as well. Mm. So, you know, th- th- there's. There's a good amount of this uh, that that could be a problem, and they're getting sued for ten million. So, That's a um, big number. I, you know, it's it, it is a big number, and th- they're saying that there was proprietary marketing materials that were used to create a marketing presentation for the new team, and that they were all still affiliated with their previous brokerage. They were recruiting from the team before making a move, and the presentation names KW Black Label clients as select VIPs for the new team and uses information from their marketing materials. So there's a lot of questions here. I don't know all the details, but, I mean, if they're soliciting clients that are under contract with another brokerage, that's called torturous interference, which is something that's also illegal. So what do you two think about this? I mean, I think the, you know, where, like, the law is clear is, like you were saying, that the – you know, the listing lies with the brokerage. So like, yeah, you can't, you can't break that. Um, I would say as far as like recruiting people, I mean, people do that all the time, right? Like that would be, I think a little bit more difficult to, I don't know, come after, or even if there were like, you know, written communication logs or emails or like correspondence there, like saying we're trying to like people try to recruit people all the time. So I feel like that's kind of opening a can of worms. Well, I guess it depends what their what their agreements say too. Like, I, I don't yeah. know what that is, and and I think there's there's also a big difference between recruiting an employee and recruiting a, an agent, right? Yeah. I mean, there's and right. I don't know what yeah. these agreements say. It's going to depend on what their agreements are. This is going to be really interesting because the 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 listing and the and the intellectual property that that stuff is usually pretty cut and dry. Um, it's with the people because you don't really own people. Like, you, you can't own a person to come work with you. Like, I right. I, I think that's a little bit of a problem here. Um, and I, I, you know, obviously it, it affects the business. Um, and they're, they're saying there's $10 million in damages. I don't know that they were doing that kind of volume to bring in 10 million. Like that, that's probably another thing, thing to look at. And they filed an injunction barring this, uh, former KW black label, uh, team member and Sirhant from using that information that was taken from the firm and nobody's commented on all this. So I, I, you know, this, this stuff unfortunately does happen though. I mean, we've, you know, personally, we've seen this happen where people are, you know, they're, they're calling clients under contract. I've seen it happen, and it's just you, you can't do it. And most people, the problem is they don't know the laws. They don't know, right. Mm-hmm. And they don't know about using um, the, uh, you know, the marketing material. They they just don't have a clue. They might use it and just tweak a couple things and say, well, you know, why reinvent the wheel? And Right. I can see that totally happening. I can see people doing that. Yeah. Um, but they don't understand. It's proprietary. You know, right. that's their... That's KW Black's material. They right. <laughs> they generate it. They own it. It's probably copyright. Um, and as f- but everybody knows about the listings, right? Mm-hmm. If you have listings, they stay with the broker. They mm-hmm. don't go with you, right? As the agent, right? That's like I think that's, that's very common knowledge. Clearly, yeah. yeah. If you don't know that, then yeah, there's bigger problems. Well, right. Some people don't know that though, and I mean, it, and you can't just say sign this new contract. I'm with a new brokerage right now because then you're you're having them like they're violating licensing law. I mean, there's, and I, I just this happens all the time. These people just don't know the laws. Mm-hmm. Like it's like like and it, it's a problem. And so, 
in some ways, I'm um, uh, I'm I'm glad to see that they're 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 pursuing this. I think some of this is going to get a little messy. Mm-hmm. What do you think happens here? And then Chris just got here, so we're going to take a quick break after this. I don't know. There's going to be a lot of discovery, <laughs> so we'll find out what exactly they did. Uh, I'm and sure they're going to get to the bottom of it. Well, I'm wondering if they went in at that higher number, um, or like that 10 mil number, hoping to get you know something, and then just settle settle out of out of court without having this like drag out for forever this is going to test a lot of like team agreements and 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 a lot because i mean i i i know for a fact that like you know people come to markets people get recruited all the time like you said i think that there's a way to do that the right way yeah and then there's other problems this happened with compass because they were telling people to violate their contracts before they left you remember this it was like one of the first shows we looked it's they were being told hey just go steal everything take it all like and what you're not supposed to do so that's where this stuff gets messy and I, I think they even say here that there was uh, there's an alleged um, claim that there was they were going to loot the firm and, and and take everything. I mean, this is this is right in the article from Real Trends. So, I'm you know, I've wow. got no skin in the game here. I just find this fascinating here. And this is going to be really telling to see what happens moving forward. I think this is a story we got to follow here. Plus, mm-hmm. it's local. I mean, this is like the first yeah. time I've seen anything like this happen around here. So, I mean, it would, it would be a little bit surprising if they had to go to all of these measures to do. All of that when, like, his name by itself carries a lot of weight. He already has right. a very established brand. He has a show. He has, like, right. you know, like, you would think that he would be able to come down here, set up shop, and already get a lot of those, you know, high-dollar listings, like, a lot of those luxury deals just by being who he is. But, but he's not going to be but the one looked, down here, though. It oh, looked okay. like it was somebody else. Oh, okay. It was, yeah, it's just his, like, name that's, like... His name's the brokerage. So. Right. Think of Remax so or this, Coldwell Banker yeah, or whomever. Right. And I actually disagree with you on this one, Sarah, and, yeah. and because they're not meeting Ryan Serhant when they go to right. when they go to these listing appointments. And the luxury market in Philadelphia is not as robust as it is in New York. So right. I, I'm a we're a median home price market. And this may like it, I get why they attack this particular team, because their their whole idea is like we're going to sell luxury, mm-hmm. um, whether or not you think that's a good business model. I'm not going to go there. That's their intention. That's what he's known for. So I understand that part of it. Um, what you know, I, I find fascinating is that you got to know what the laws say when you're doing this stuff. People are not going to roll over when they've built a business. Just say, "Hey, take everything I got. It's cool." Like no it, 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 does, it doesn't go that way. So, and you know, it, it speaks to if this was really what was what what happened. It speaks to the ethics of what they're doing, which I think is going to turn a lot of people off that might have gone and joined that firm otherwise. And I think that's you know, when this stuff happens, people take notice, especially mm-hmm. the ones that you, you want to actually come work with you. Yeah, it's probably very disappointing for him. He may have not have known that this was going on, <laughs> you know, behind the scenes. So it, it should be interesting to see what comes out. There's no secrets today. I mean, text messages, emails, they're all discoverable. So yep. we're going to follow this story. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We've got the owner of the best pharmacy in Philadelphia, Fishtown Pharmacy. Chris Hunsaker is here. We're going to get into everything about his business, talk about it. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Mortgage America is a 
I'm Tom Tool of the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand-new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's tomtoolwithane.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. You shouldn't have to deal with all the red tape when getting your mortgage from a big or online bank. At Mortgage America, we have access to big bank money, but with the personalized and detailed service of a local bank. We are here in your community and ready to serve with fast settlements, low down payment options, and first-time homebuyer programs. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. For more information, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. Mortgage America is all right all right welcome back to tool time real estate radio on wwdb 860 am i'm tom tool she's sarah time and she's stacy mitchell and we all work with the tom tool sales group at remax mainline the number one remax team in pennsylvania since 2018 number 11 in the country and we're streaming live every single week on facebook youtube and instagram just look up tom tool sales group enough about us we're here to talk about the Fishtown Pharmacy. So you can follow them on Instagram. It's at Fishtown Pharmacy, just like it's spelled. And we're here with the owner, the man himself, my good friend, Chris. Take it away. Tell us about your business. I mean, I think it's a really unique business you have, and it's doing a lot of good in the local community. So thanks so much for having me, Tom. It's great to be here. Really cool scene. Uh, I don't think I've ever done a headset radio interview, but it's, I feel privileged. Thanks again for having me. Um, so we are about to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. We're coming up on 10 years, literally. Don't tell anybody. We actually passed it a couple weeks ago, but it is, uh, we're going to have an anniversary party in a couple weeks here. Uh, That that was, that announcement's supposed to get dropped this week, but hey, if they're listening, they got an early one. There you go. Love it. Love it. 10-year anniversary party. The last 10 years have been pretty great. That'll make it the longest job I've ever had. (laughs) Uh, I had my 10-year anniversary at my last pharmacy gig right before I left to open my own, and it's been going a whole lot better the last 10 years. So we're uh, legit an old-timey, local, know-you-when-you-come-in-the-door pharmacy. We pride ourselves on knowing you, your dog, your kids, your grandma, and just trying to bring back retail to what it used to be, something, some, some form of customer service and an emphasis on knowing people, getting forming connections, getting to know people and actually digging in a little bit. Uh, I think Tom and I, we met the way, you know, mid 40 something people meet our, our kids, our friends. Yes. <laughs> and uh, 
Um, Pizza on on a Saturday night, right? That's how it goes. Shared some business books, and I think we have a lot of uh, similar ideas in how to approach, whether it's client real estate relationships or someone across the counter in the pharmacy. You're trying to let them know you're human. You want to help them, and um, I think in, in turn they end up helping you. I'm going to throw a quick plug in for you guys. Uh, I recently had a, a property sell that wouldn't sell for a little while. and There we go. Your group moved it real fast. Sarah Timon did. Real quick. Ooh, Sarah, Sarah sitting across from me. I, I want to throw you a big thanks. Oh, thank you. So I, I, that's a legit plug. They, they sold my house really quickly. <laughs> I think when uh, Drew told us about that, that's your wife, she had a Bride of Frankenstein costume on at your Halloween party, and I was like, I need to call you on Monday. This is way it's too the, much right now. So <laughs> It's the only way we conduct business. I like it. I like it. Very cool. If they're not in full costume, we, we usually don't talk seriously. Good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I took the Halloween party seriously. Then it didn't show up in with uh, you know with one of those people that was too cool. So, um, I, I love what you're talking about having like a neighborhood pharmacy. I think that's a there, there's people that really appreciate that probably more than you realize. So, what where did you work before, and what got you excited about building this kind of business? Because ten years is a long time for any business to be having its doors open and continue to have its doors open, which is really exciting. I totally agree. I can't believe it's 10. Honestly, it feels like a, a cool landmark to reach, but it also feels like, God, we just got started. There are so many things I want to do. Uh, so I worked for a grocery, an independent grocery store, and ran it very similarly to how I run my own. I just always wanted to do more weird things, like weird, <laughs> compound for animals, do whatever other pharmacies say no to. Uh, my goal was always to say yes. If, if you bring a script in and your kid needs a specific dose of a heart medicine that can't be made, I want to make it. And they were unwilling to build a lab, do any of those things. And I wanted, I was just bored. So I, I did, that was one of the main motivations to open my spot. And I had a background in service pretty much solely besides pharmacy. I was a waiter, bartender. And I think that's kind of where I draw more of my business model from, service in general. Uh, so 10 years ago, I, I opened the doors. And at that point in time, it was driven, like, my belief was just hold community events, get to know people in the community. For Halloween, we'd convert to a children's book, the Lorax, like RX Lorax. And we did uh, the day the crayons quit. And it, those type of things we do every year. Then COVID hit, and it was like, shoot, this is going to throw a wrench in some yeah. of the community gatherings. Yeah. So we changed it up and pivoted to becoming a full-time vaccination station. We vaccinated somewhere probably approaching 10,000 people. Wow. Wow. Uh, we were doing clinics where we were vaccinating three to 500 people on a Saturday. And I didn't think we had it in us when we opened, honestly. I, like when we first started doing clinics, I remember the first one, I think we had 30 or 40 people show up and we were a mess and sweaty and running around. To think we could turn it to where we were doing several hundred people doing pop-ups. Uh, Fishtown Neighborhood Association, shout out to them. They, they gave me the full carte blanche to sort of move the pop-ups into the pharmacy, which made it a lot easier to control. I'm sure. Yeah. Just having a refrigerator with shots in it and not not being outside with that situation for, <laughs> yeah. for COVID shots made it a lot easier. But uh, yeah, it was a, it turned into probably the, it sounds awful, I'm not trying to celebrate COVID, but it was the best marketing experience of my life. Yeah. I met more people in, I mean, nine out of 10 people I 
stuck a sharp object in, I, I at least were from my zip code. But you get to sit down, introduce yourself before you give them a needle. Yeah. Here, here's a jab and here's my name. Shake yeah. hands and actually get to know somebody. And for us, that turned into what I think is probably the most important thing we did. I think it closed pharmacies when they chose to, you know, avoid the... Yeah, I agree with that. I was also the naysayer who was like, it's going to be at least three to six months. And everyone was like, you're so negative. <laughs> <laughs> That's great because I feel like most of the time, like every vaccine that I went and got, it like there was no personal connection there. It was like they hold up and they're like, is this who you say you are? Is this your birthday? <laughs> Boom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so I got vaccinated. I, I couldn't get it. Of course, they gave the, the major chains the first run. Mm-hmm. So I had to go to a gymnasium and get vaccinated through like Walgreens or something that was hosting it and had the same experience yeah. and immediately knew that's not what we're going to do. Right. We're going to have every, all the paperwork lined up, the billing lined up and have a chance to have a connection. Mm-hmm. Even simple stuff, just like the CDC sends you free needles. They're terrible. For a couple cents, you can get a, a much sharper, nicer needle, less kids screaming. Mm-hmm. Even for adults, most people just like a, you know, a painless shot's never a bad thing. Yeah. And, but those kind of details, I feel like, really mm-hmm. voted well for us. Well, and, and you know, I, th- I think what you did there was you help people, right? Because people were so stressed out about getting that vaccine. I mean, it was like it was impossible. And, and, I mean, the wait was insane. I went to Westchester University. I felt like I was in, like, contagion or something, like, walking in there. And I, I'm, I'm very, it's very weird. So, but when you're helping people, success is a byproduct from that. And when, when, and that's definitely the kind of values you talk about with with your pharmacy. So, um, and, again, you can follow them at Fishtown Pharmacy. So, you have this local business. You're affecting the community here. What, what's the reaction been post-COVID now that you helped all those people? Because I think that's there's so many people in the pharmacy industry that had this same effect, and, and they really influenced their local community in a majorly positive way. I genuinely hope for other independent pharmacies that they have even half the, the post-COVID effect that I have. I feel like it's just taken my patient population and blown it up. There's so many more people that come in. Our foot traffic's gone up. I mean, the word of mouth just is not that social media mentions, but just so many people would leave with exactly what kind of Tom and Sarah, where you both have said, just mm-hmm. like walk out, take a selfie in front of the pharmacy. It's like, I just waited two minutes and got a, a vaccine, like nuts to bolts, start to finish. Right. Our goal is to get you in and out in under five minutes. And then you can know you can wait your 15 if you feel like that's what you need to do on shot five. I think most people aren't waiting 15 anymore, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, but right. seriously, to just take all the friction out of the situation, it's like it's kind of a bad vibe when you're sticking sharp objects in people. So let's remove all other friction, and then you can kind of focus on getting to know somebody, even if it's a brief, quick minute. But uh, I felt like that was something. I wanted to do personally the first in the beginning I was sort of swapping vaccinators and looking for a nurse to do it I ended up deciding it just you can't no one will ever tell your story quite like you and yeah that was something I I felt like Mm -hmm. there's like the the founder's story I always teach my old staff like is is everyone everyone who works here we're all you know we're all we all this is our family this is our business but to me that like those specific moments if you don't capitalize on when you're the owner you're kind of missing the boat. I think any good business owner has got to be in the weeds in their business. I, I, I like. I mean, you, you, at some point you can scale and, and build things up, but when you're in the building mode, which I'm mean, ten years, I think is still a startup for most businesses in, in a lot of cases. So, at Fishtown Pharmacy, Chris, 
Where can people, uh, where, where are you guys located? I know you're in Fishtown. You want to give the address, the phone number, sure, that sort of sure. stuff? We're 1802 Frankfurt. Uh, it's Frankfurt and Cumberland. 267-687-7562 will get you a live, no IVR, live human, says hello, and, <laughs> and welcomes you. We, we, I refuse to do an IVR. We, everyone knows press one for this or two for that. We don't do any of that nonsense. So you can call and get us. If you go to fishtownpharmacy.com, you can certainly get the, any of that information online. So fishtownpharmacy.com, Instagram, they're at fishtownpharmacy. We're getting played off here like the Oscars. You can follow Sarah. She's at tie time on Instagram. You can follow Stacy at the number two Mitchco. You can follow me at TomTool3RD at TomTool the third. And we're live every week, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up TomTool Sales Group. Make sure to follow and subscribe. Check out fishtownpharmacy.com. And we'll be back next week on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.